What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. Before I come across the table and rip Barry's throat out. Kevin Sherrington. I'm going to say to you what you said to me a while ago. Shut up. Barry Horn. I'm going to bring milk and cookies next week. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Rangers Ballsy with a Z Podcast. I'm Evan Grant. Kevin Sherrington is here with me. Barry Horn may be allowed to speak. <laughs> do, I, do I have to raise my hand? You do have to raise okay, your hand. Yeah, I have to permission. Also, later on, we're going to have a guest, Emily Jones McCoy. Is she is coming into the studio? Us. No, she's going to be on the phone with us. But listen, when we're like through with her, when we say goodbye, don't then say another question. Yeah, We would be remiss if we didn't bring up that this is our last podcast in, the, in this beautiful studio. Yeah, yeah. it is. Hey, so so no one's going to throw ice on the on Emily. Nobody is. Uh, we're going to promise not to throw any ice physically or um, Powerade, isn't it? Powerade or yeah. metaphysically. Yeah. Um, but uh, let me ask you: Are you going to throw ice on on the Doug Fister signing? Because you know, you know me, I'm I'm a longtime fan of Doug Fister. Uh, now I don't realize his numbers don't look very good, but as has been pointed out this week by you and by our good buddy Jerry Fraley, who talked to several scouts, uh, who said one of those scouts even said that they thought that Doug Fister would be a quality starter for the Rangers this year. You know, the Rangers have had some success with those, uh, you know, buy low, sell high guys, and um, last year they were one for two, right? Uh, right. Tyson Ross didn't work out so well. He was bad. Cash Andrew Kashner was very good for what they expected of him. And you know, when we went into the season, we even said that if they get one of these two guys right, then it was a, then it was a good deal. Yeah. Uh, they're going to end up doing the same thing again this year, probably. Uh, yeah, Fister won't be the only guy that they sign. No, um, to a buy kind of a buy low deal. Here, here the important thing about Fister here is that the Rangers needed to sign somebody quick. Yeah, uh, they needed to get a deal done really before the market started, and and they needed somebody to take a very modest amount of money. And well, that was very modest. Three and a half take, million. Yeah, three and a half million. It's actually four million guaranteed, but the buyout is on the option for 2019. W- won't be paid until obviously the end of the year if the, if they don't pick up the option. Um, but he's locked in for this year. Could have a two-year deal if he's successful, uh, and, and it allows them a little less desperation when dealing with agents. Barry, ideally, ideally, you have two hands up. Does that mean you have two? I have questions? two questions. Ideally, where does he? Where would you like to see him in the rotation? Five. The five. Yeah. Ideally, um, ideally, you know, you'd still go out and you'd sign. You know, in the dream world, you'd sign Otani and you'd sign, say, Alex Cobb, and you go uh, Hamels, Otani, Cobb, Perez, uh, Fister. Fister. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was okay. Say, and in, in the real world, where do you see him? Because you, because you have Matt Bush in your thinking, and to me, Matt Bush is not a better starter than Doug Fister. I th- listen. What the Rangers have said on Matt Bush is, 
we're going to allow him to prepare as a starter, mm-hmm. and we will make a decision. There's check marks he's got to he's got to meet. Now, if the Rangers go out, if the Rangers go out and they sign a couple of relievers and don't add as many starters as as you know you would think, then it makes more sense to have Bush at the back end of your your rotation there as a starter, uh, if he's met all those 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 check marks. Um, if they sign starters, if they if they if they sign Otani, Cobb, and uh, 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 and, and they've and added Fister. Fister, then all of a sudden, you know, it makes more sense for Matt to be kind of in that in that group of back end of the bullpen guys because they're sure. short on the right handed side. Is is Otani really really still in the in the Rangers picture? Yeah, I I, I think that there is not uh, there is not one team that feels they've got a real good grasp on where Otani goes. I think there are reasons to believe that other clubs have some advantages, particularly those big market teams, not necessarily because of their money, but they're big market teams that have the ability for him to assimilate culturally, uh, where there is a large Asian population, uh, that have a tradition, not a tradition, but recent winning success. The Dodgers and Yankees and Red Sox all come to mind, um, and that have the 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 short term projection for more winning for, for an easier path to win than the Rangers do immediately. Kevin, yes, yes, I yes, I have Kevin, a question. You may go to the restroom. Thank you, <laughs> thank you very much. You know, uh, I, I'm, I was meaning to bring this up on the old podcast today. And probably if I had not written for tomorrow about um, Jimbo Fisher and, and A&M, I would have written this column. I may still write this column. A to bonus me, column? This is, yeah, a bonus column. This is a, re, this is a recruiting issue now. Correct. There, there's, it's not about money. It has never been about money. It's never been about money because if he had stayed for two more years in Japan, he'd be getting a nine-figure right. contract from, from MLB. And the Rangers have always bet on them on their ability to recruit. Yes, they, they have, and, 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 I, and I get that. But here's the thing. Here's the way to me, and here's what the Rangers should do. If, you're, if, if it's all about recruiting, then the Rangers have to sign you Darvish. Because there is no not, better way to get Joey Otani here than to sign you Darvish. Not necessarily. And I know in May I wrote that when when Daniels went to Japan, there was a possibility of a Darvish Otani um, combo. Yeah. Um, and that, uh, that Darvish was his buddy. There's now a narrative, and I don't know, again, this is all conjecture, all subjective, but there is also a narrative out there. That Otani doesn't want to go, where there is a Japanese pitcher, that uh, he's got to basically split time with, where he wants to be the guy. And historically, not that there's always been a wave of three or four Japanese pitchers coming out every year, but there hasn't been really more than one Japanese starter per staff. That sounds kind of semi racist on your part it's the narrative that's out there i don't know that there's any factual evidence behind it i don't know that it's you you can find almost can't we almost find a narrative for any scenario absolutely i don't but but if this is true if this is true then well it's what the rangers have to find out the rangers have to find out hey how would you feel if you darvish were on our team how would would that swing your 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 thinking if that if that's the case because here's the thing 
if Darvish is going to cost you $25 million a year, then for five years, you know, five years, if it's five years and $125 million, whatever it is. But he gets you this guy for $20 million plus, you know, major league minimum salary for six years, it's definitely worth it. Then you've split that money. You've essentially Absolutely. split that money between those right. two guys. And that's the way you have to think about that. But the, it all comes down to, okay, does this, A, would this sway you? B, does it matter? See, would it move you in the negative direction? Absolutely. That's what they have to find out. And as a recruiter, that's what you do. Because people, you know, recruiting is not, hey, look at us and look at these pictures and look at our weight room and, and, and look what our weight people are like. Everybody's is, is good. The, the margin of difference between all these people is going to be this much, you know. And so I, th- I do think in the end, barring anything else, it'll be that he'll go to a West Coast team he'll, he'll go to, or he'll go to the Yankees. You know, I think, I think those are the two ways that this thing will go because those teams are closer to winning, um, a bigger Asian market, all those kind of things are, are certainly factors. To me, the the one difference maker for the Rangers is if they could get if he has a close relationship with Darvish, if he would like to pitch with him, and then Darvish, I think, might be amenable to coming back here. Uh, I don't know that he is. He might be. Uh, I think that he wants to, to get a certain amount of money. He lives here year-round now. I think he'd be completely amenable to it uh, in the in the right environment. Um, but that that is – this is – when I talk to to baseball executives and and scouts in the, in the last couple of weeks uh, around the GM meetings and since, there really is no sense of what will be the deciding factor. And I do think – you know, I talked to a couple of people uh, in the last week. Uh, they got this questionnaire for not questionnaire, but a request for teams to fill out a questionnaire about all these things about assimilating into culture and right. the workplace. And I'd like to see that complete list. Have we, have we seen a complete list? I've only seen what a what the AP uh, alluded to, which was spring training facilities, medical uh, philosophy and rehab program, the uh, ability to culturally assimilate. Uh, how teams would use him as a pitcher and a hitter. Um, I think there were five or six. There were two others that I'm, I'm, I'm glancing over right now. But if signing Darvish is a recruiting tool, then yeah, you got to make that. You, you've got to do everything you can to make that happen. If it's if it's not, then or if it's or if it would be a detriment, then this is something that. You know, if the if the whole thing about I want to be the only guy, um, the only Japanese pitcher on the staff, then that works against the Yankees. It works against Seattle, which just signed it, re-signed to Akuma, um, and it does put the Rangers in more of a driver's seat. I don't know why a guy would care though. I, I don't either, and that's why you know you hear these narratives and and you hear these stories and you you wonder. Are you just basing this on the fact that, you know, in the past guys have gone and, and this is this is how it's happened, or is there something there? Um, and, and with this guy, I think there is an awful lot of unknown. It sounds to me like guys have – it's an off day. They need something to write, and that's what they're writing. Yeah. I, I just I just don't believe until, in until it. We, don't, until we actually hear from – Yeah, right, absolutely. From I, I, I think when you talk about – you, that's the basis – I hate to be this way – of stereotyping people, yeah. you know, oh, because this is the way Correct. it's always happened. I, I'm not going to make that judgment about Otani and about what he thinks until he until I hear from him. That what, what if he gets an offer to coach the University of Tennessee football team? Would th- would that play into? How this? about that Jason Witten story? Did you see that one? Yeah, th- th- that was incredible. That was another Clay Travis special. Oh, is that right? Yeah, 
that he would leave immediately is what it was said. Yes. Yeah. So, and and I think my tweet last night was also after we finally shot it down or were able to shoot it down and Witten shot it down pretty defiant. Uh, definitively. Uh, definitively. And um, defiantly, maybe. I, I, I believe I also said that Des Bryant will not be leaving to coach Oklahoma State and Dak Prescott will not be taking the Mississippi State job. Hey, I think we should start that one. It's open. Yeah, I know it is. It's open. Um, I, 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 I just think that, the for me, the bottom line of all this is that if I'm John Daniels, I'm going to go to management and say, look. Uh, uh, ownership. Uh, uh, yes, ownership. I'm going to ownership. I'm going to say, look, I, I think we need to find a way to separate ourselves here. We need to find this out, what he can do. And if we can do this, I think this is what we need to do. I think this is a, that is a bold kind of move. If you let me up, let me say this when I when I wrote quick. that when I wrote that column yeah. in May yeah um and I John you know John's a pretty good poker player yeah. I, I would not want to sit at the at the hold'em table with they would him. not allow him at Barry's uh, biweekly Monday night poker game poker game would he would John be the guy wearing uh, mirrored sunglasses don't think he'd need to no I don't think he would either I, I think he's I think he's got I've seen him talk to Evan and act like he's actually interested in that. <laughs> he wow he um but he can bluff. Yeah, I got my feedback from him wasn't in any way definitive, uh, but I didn't get a feel from him that the Darvish being on the roster would sway him one yeah. way or another. And I, and I don't know. And, 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 it's, and that's that's as we said, those are the things you got to research and find out. But I just think that to me. What would make this so great is that then it takes all the pressure off of signing Darvish. If that is the thing that swings Otani to come to you, which frankly, if I'm ranking them, I don't see I don't see a reason why the, the Rangers would be the favorite, right? Right. You know, there's they're not over an Asia, not over one of the West Coast teams, not over the Yankees. If this puts you if this puts you up at the top of the heap, if this if you get that indication from him, then Darvish can come in and he can be the sometimes frustrating pitcher he's always been, when you realize that, well, we got this guy because of him. Well, what if you sign Darvish and Otani doesn't come? Or do you have to sign Darvish the same day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's, that's problematic. But even even that, look, even that, it's, it's not like, oh, my gosh, we're saddled now with you, Darvish. I mean, look, he's going to get his money. Right. There, are, Even though he blew up in the World Series and we all saw that and that was all very ugly, uh, the guy is still – a very intriguing people have asked me, People have asked me over and over, how much money did Darvish cost himself in the World Series? And I, I think if he had pitched well in the World Series, you might be talking about a $30 million pitcher. Right. But I think going into the World Series, you were probably talking about a, thir- a $25 million pitcher. And I still think he's going to get 23 to $25 million. Because all it'll take will be one team. Absolutely. Correct. And, Absolutely. and here's, you know, the, the, what I'm going to be interested to see. I did a radio show last night um, and, and, and made this comment that's – to the host was that I'm going to be interested to see how the, you know, the Otani thing, he should post on Thursday of this week if it's all ratified and everything goes through. And then it's a three week process, uh, which, which means that around December 21st, you'd have an answer on, on Otani. Now, will that impact the market? Because the, the signing of Otani, your, your international bonus money is already accounted for. Okay. Your major league salary for 2018 is going to be $545,000. Right. And the max that you could pay out would be the $20 million bonus, which you can amortize over six years if you want. So 
it doesn't impact any team's ability to be aggressive with with another pitcher. What I wonder is if agents for if 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 Wasserman uh, will hold Darvish back, or will hold or Boris will hold Arietta back for the market and say, okay, this team did not get Otani. Now they're more desperate. Yeah. So I'm going to be interested to see how it impacts the market. I still think that if the Rangers could get Alex Cobb one or Lance Lynn 1A, would take between 14 and $15.5 million a year for four years. If they could get that done before the winter meetings, I think they would. Who's, who's your 1A, Eddie? Well, Cobb would be my 1, and Lynn would be a close 1A. I just think that Cobb, with American League experience, um, going back to more and more change-up uh, in the second half, now that he's a year removed from Tommy John, uh, and that's a plus pitch for him, Um the fact that, for me, I'm starting to buy into this idea that batting average on balls in play gives you an idea of whether a guy is is a little bit lucky or is unlucky. And and Lynn had a higher batting average on balls in play. I mean, Lynn had a much lower average on balls in play. So I'm thinking he may be a little bit, have been a little bit lucky. So all those things and just lead me to Cobb a little bit. Um, I think the American and, and the other, is enough for me. The other part for me that, that leads me in Cobb's direction is Cobb's not as much of a strikeout pitcher. Average is about six and a half strikeouts per nine innings, but he's much less of a walk pitcher, and yeah. the Rangers need to cut down on walks in the rotation. Especially um, when you got a bad defense. Yes, yes. They, they, they need, but they need to up the strikeout totals. They need to yeah. be a better strikeout team, and they need to uh, – but they they definitely need to eliminate the free passes. They, yeah. they they definitely do. And now joining us to hopefully limit the amount of time that Barry spends with the dad jokes uh, is Emily Jones McCoy on our phone, the Rangers uh, sideline slash dugout slash clubhouse reporter, uh, and a businesswoman of some renown. Emily, how are you this holiday season? I'm doing fantastic, gentlemen. Pleased to be with you and. Uh I'll see if I can't think of a mom joke to pass along by the end of this conversation. I'm, I'm going to be curious as to what a mom joke will actually sound like. It's, uh, it's just the same as a dad joke, just told by a mom. I see. Okay. Uh, Emily, so you um, let, let's get right into Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. You had an interesting uh, side trip recently. You went to see um, uh, one of your nephews, I believe it was, get married. What was that like? <laughs> um well, not not by blood, but yes, I do feel like Elvis was sometimes like my nephew or sometimes even like my child, uh, both <laughs> were in the early days. But um, yeah, so we went, my husband and I, Mike, went and saw uh, Elvis and his lovely bride, Corey, celebrate their marriage and uh, in Capcana, Dominican Republic. It was beautiful and tons of fun and uh, um, was thrilled to be there for that special day and was kind of crazy to be you know at that moment in time knowing where Elvis had come from and um see how much he had grown as a man and to kind of enter that next phase of his life was really really cool to witness so it was a ton of fun there was a lot of dancing and drinking and celebrating and um yeah it was a fantastic weekend were there any Gatorade or Powerade dumps uh there were not there were not no there was a champagne drenching no I'm just kidding um, no, there was no hijinks. It was all, uh, you know, I mean, it's, 
Elvis is all grown up now. Maybe this will mark the end of those uh, post-game celebrations, but who, who knows? But no, there was. It was just, uh, it was good, good, clean fun had by all, and um, everyone stayed dry except for the massive amounts of sweat that were coming on the dance floor. You know, it it, it is amazing. You and I have had a a very close um, seat to watch Elvis grow as as a player, and I think you've had an even closer seat to watch him grow as a person. Um, We've talked on this show a lot about how he's grown as a player, how has how he's grown as a person impacted him as a player? Well, I mean, I think they go hand in hand. Uh, I, I think it's no coincidence that you've seen the most productive season of his career come at a time when he is most at peace and settled personally. Um, he has found, you know, a, a wonderful woman to spend his life with, and they've made a beautiful child, and um, he's grown into this, you know, family man role quite well and I, I just think that he's, he's really in a good spot. He feels good about where he is and I think one interesting thing that I've seen over the last year and we even talked about it some at the wedding you know that it, it, whereas before he may not have been ready to take on that role of, of leader in that clubhouse and the guy, I think he's ready now and I think that that time to start this season when Adrian was on the DL and it kind of by default, just kind of fell to Elvis, and he kind of got a taste of what that was like. Uh, and I think he realized the, you know, the responsibility that it entails. And I think that he liked it, and I think that it fueled his play on the field, uh, the things that he was doing in the clubhouse. So it's been so fun for me to watch, just seeing where he's come from, you know, as a rookie, you know, and just to see him, you know, kind of grow up right before our eyes, you know. And you've seen it too, Evan. It's just been, it's been such a pleasure to see and he's just such a good human being um that you just want great things for him and so i've, I've just been so proud of him as his as his friend and someone who's gotten to to kind of see him grow up uh, i've just been proud to, to see what he's turned into emily might you say something in the same positive vein about the second baseman uh without a doubt i mean you know Ruby's he is also like my child um, and you're seeing him take take those lumps, you know, a lot of the same lumps that Elvis took early in his career. Um, and one thing that I'm, I don't ever doubt is I don't ever doubt Ruby's confidence. I mean, he's always had confidence, and he's always played a certain way, and he's always had a certain attitude. And regardless of the results on the field, he maintains that um, steadfastly. Uh, whether he was sent down to the you know the minor leagues and had to work his way back up, I mean, he maintains the the same. Um, sort of confidence and, and style of play, and I appreciate that, and I think that will be key to him returning to the form we saw two years ago. So, you know, it's, it's a process that, that Ruby's having to go through. I think he's having some serious time of, of self-reflection at this point in the offseason and trying to figure out what he can do to make himself uh, a better player and, and to be the guy that, you know, that this team signed to long, signed long-term and that wanted to be, uh, you know, a big part of, the the uh, landscape of this franchise. Emily, I'm going to ask you to – I want to put you on the spot here, and I want to ask you – and I know you're very close to Mike Napoli as well. I want to ask you, who are your five favorite Rangers in the time you've worked out there? Oh, gosh. That's hard. Um, yeah, I mean, Elvis has to be up there. Michael and Adrian just because of – I feel like – 
starting with Michael, the way that I was treated by him set the tone for everyone. And then Adrian kind of carried that on. So to have, you know, the two guys over the course of my tenure there, which has been almost 15 years, um, you know, set that kind of example for the other players makes my job, and I'm sure everyone would agree, so much easier um, and makes it such a pleasant place to work. So, I mean, Adrian Michael have to be... Michael Young, you know, you're talking at, about. At the top. Yes, Michael yes. Young. So Adrian Michael, um, you know, the, the guys that are like my kids, I guess are probably the the next three. I mean, you know, when you look at Elvis and Ruby and Derek, Derek Collins, you know, is also, you know, I was, I'm very close to Phil and so, you know, the guys, there's certain guys you just develop such great relationships with. I mean, I think, too, right there on the outer edge, guys that are like my brothers, which are Colby and Mitch. I mean, I love I love those guys. Um, and I maybe love their wives even more. And so, you know, you just develop those relationships. It's hard to narrow it down. I know I'm leaving people out. But um, I guess those are the people that, I, that come to mind right away. And Prince was so much fun. I mean, after he loosened up, I mean, that dude was a blast. Um so, yeah, there's a lot. Can we go to 10? Go to 10. <laughs> yeah, take 10. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> go position uh, by position. Yeah, there you go. I know. I know. It could be long. Well, did I even say nap? But fourth nap is up there. So, I'm, I guess I'm at nine now. Um, I don't, I'm trying to think of who else I have a lot of fun with. I don't know. Who am I leaving out? Not a lot of pitchers in that group. Well, she had Holland and Colby. Yeah, I guess I I did have Holland and Colby. Yeah. How about a relief uh, pitcher? I mean, and, how about Robinson's Reno? Yeah, I mean, there you go. About the, the kindest human on the planet. Yeah, hard not to um, like him. So, yeah, I can't think about it anymore because I'm going to start adding. Darren O'Day, love Darren O'Day. There's a reliever. It, yeah. It's it, It's really hard to walk into the Rangers clubhouse now and not feel the level of respect that his teammates have for Robinson's Reno. Um, it, it's palpable. Oh, sure. it, it really is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I... I, I it's hard to describe, but he 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 doesn't own that clubhouse, but he commands respect from all his teammates. And for where he's come from, yeah, it's it, it's it's an amazing growth pattern. You know, I was in the Rangers clubhouse. They he they brought him up or they picked him up when they were in Houston, and I, I was covering this, this that series. You probably were on vacation, and I walked away from the first time I t- I talked to him, and it was an it was an amazing you know it was an amazing feeling i had i said this guy is special i told him to have pity on you <laughs> and, and he he did he, just, he, he yeah he, and he, he has a there's a presence about him there is a, a presence that you know that he does things the right way that he works his tail off um that he's respected and that he's respectful um the work that he does in the community is you know the way that he and heidi get back are absolutely uh, unbelievable the things that they do um you know, you look at the way, this is probably a mom talking, but I look at the way his son acts. It's David, who's in the clubhouse a lot, and you can tell a lot about, you know, what, what kind of a man Robinson is because of the, the, the son that he's raising. And David, same can be said for Adrian uh, and his kids. I mean, you know, it, with Robinson, there is, a, there is a, an air about him that is, it's a very approachable confidence. But, you know, there's some guys that put off that air that aren't approachable. With Robinson, it's, it's very, very approachable. I think the word for him would be sincere. His, his sincerity is just oozes. Without a doubt. Yeah, very earnest. Emily, you mentioned you, you mentioned working the clubhouse and, and the, the tone that Michael set, and I thought that's a good point. It's also, 
I think, a good jumping off point for something I wanted to touch base with you on. And you and I have talked a little bit about this in in, in just regular conversations. And, and certainly we've shared um, some exposure that you've had from fans on social media and whatnot. But I, I, I think there's two different a- aspects here. Clearly, at this point in time, how women are being treated in the workplace has become much more of a uh, of a topical discussion than ever before. And I think you, you a alluded to what a professional environment the clubhouse has been in Texas. I wanted to get your thoughts on on what it was like and, 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 and if it was daunting at all going into that initially just because of, you know, what people had heard and been told secondhand about working a major league clubhouse because it can be very high schoolish. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I guess that, that's one thing you kind of have to, to grow into, especially when you're um, entering kind of a new a new realm, you know, as I was 15 years ago coming here. But, but you know, the longer you're around, I feel like I, I have a huge advantage because I'm with this organization. I've been with this organization for a long time. And so I feel like the, the women who are having the most difficulty is in a place, when they're in positions where they're exposed to new situations all the time, right? And mm-hmm. so, for me, that that's not the case. Now, early in my career, when I was covering a bunch of different sports, doing a bunch of different things, there were more there were incidents that I could cite and, and say that I could understand and identify with. But at this point in my career, where I am, who I'm with, it just doesn't happen. Um, and so, it's, it's for me, it's hard. I don't I don't have those you know experiences now. I did have them in the past, and so I can see where. If you're not, you know, ingrained with with one team and that familiarity is not there, that it has the propensity to happen uh, continuously and and repeatedly, and then that's unfortunate. And but for me, that's not something I have to deal with because of, like you said, the you know the precedent that's set by the leaders in that clubhouse, whether can, it was Michael before or Adrian now. Can you give us an example of an egregious incident that happened? You don't have to name names or anything, but just what kind of situation? Yeah, you were I in? mean. Like when you walk into a room, I mean, this was years and years ago when I first got to Dallas. Um, you know, guys would wait, not guys. I mean, I had a couple of incidents where a guy would wait until you're looking at him and then drop his towel to see your reaction. Um, I mean, just little things like that that you're like, you know, you kind of learn. I'm a swivel. You learn safe places in a room. I remember when I covered the Cowboys, my safe place was Tony Romo's locker because. Tony had a uh, uh, coach night book, and he and I started talking about that. And so I read, and this is when he was like third, fourth string quarterback or whatever. And so I learned, you learn like the, the safe places that you can go. Leroy Glover's was another, you know, safe place to go to where I could just talk. And those clubhouses or those locker rooms are, they're giant circles or squares. There's literally sometimes nowhere to look. And you're, you know, you look at your feet or you look up at the ceiling and you find someone to go chat with. And so you find those places to go. Um, you know, to kind of, you know, pass the time in there, get done what you need to get done, but you also have to stay in there for an extended period of time. It's a very awkward setup, not just for women, for men, too. It's, it's the, a major league clubhouse or professional football locker room. They're all, it's all very wheeled off if you think about it. So yeah. you just kind of find ways to, you know, to do it. Yeah, you're right, it is. I was going to say, it isn't. It isn't great for men either to be. Right. And when you think about that, you're walking around trying to do your job while people are getting undressed. This or, is it's or, unbelievable. Well, it, and then think about this: when you're trying to get you know pole position on an interview, and they're coming out of the locker, and you're literally a horseshoe 
around their locker while they're getting dressed. Yeah. I just, like, this is the most ridiculous thing ever. It, it is, and I will say this, too. Uh, that I've had, you know, after all this time I've been doing this for a living, uh, and, and what we've seen more and more of is more press conferences than we used to have, which which are fine and certainly more civilized. The problem is, is that in in interview situations, and I and I think I find this remarkable. I can't tell you, especially back in the old days when you had more access in locker rooms than you have now. The times that I would go into a locker room and go up to a guy in his locker, and we would start to talk, and he would he would speak real quietly to me, and I would speak real quietly to him. Bud Harrelson even told me one time, "Let's just talk real quietly," because they had just lost a game, and and I'm thinking, and this is going to be a headline tomorrow, Bud, you know. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and, and yet that's that's the psychological link there. But in a press conference, when a guy is sitting or a woman or a man is sitting at a uh, at a uh, on a podium and they're giving this answer to 50 people in the room, they're much more closed up and they're much less likely to say something uh, revealing than they are in the intimacy of that of that locker room or clubhouse. So I. I to me, I, I see, I, I kind of have both sides of this. I don't like doing that any more than you do, uh, going into a locker room with people disrobing. Uh, but I, I feel like I do my job better in that environment than I do in a press conference. Without a doubt. And let me just take that one step further. So for, for me, for the first, you know, how many ever years I've, I've done the dugout report in-game for the Rangers, I've had to do on-camera sound bites to roll in in the game. Well, when we switch things up, or when Fox switched things up, producer, director, all these kind of, you know, kind of crew changes, that the new producers did not want me to have that canned sound. They wanted me to just tell the story. Well, the information I got without a camera present and them just talking to me was 10 times better than with a camera present. So I totally get it. I mean, guys are way more apt to open up to you if it's just you one-on-one and you don't have a camera with a bright light shining in their face. So, you know, same way as you don't have a tape recorder rolling. I'm sure there's a certain level of, you know, when you've got that tape recorder rolling, there's a different element to it than if you're just chatting with someone, you know, over a beer. It's It's just the psychology of it. Yeah, and that, that's one of the great things about covering baseball is because of that access, even though it's become more limited, you do have the ability to just kind of strike up a conversation with somebody, and there's not necessarily a time limit, whereas so many other sports now, it's all governed by well, by the press conference mentality. Well, plus you get to ask your good question. Do you want to go to a press conference and ask your best Correct. question? No. Or if you not have a – Not in front of 50 if, people. Not no. in front of other – yeah. No. If you have – and, I mean, Emily has this. She's got rapport. I, I think to some extent I do too. I mean, you've got rapport with individual players in that clubhouse – that maybe they don't feel the same in front of three or four other people, sure. but they will tell you because they trust you to tell the story in the words that they in, in the words and with the context that they mean it. She does a great job with. Well, that. Emily, do, do people ever tell you stuff and you any something and you go, I don't think I'm going to report that because I don't think he really meant this. Uh, I won't ever make that decision on my own, but yes, I will have that conversation. Like, do you realize? How this is going to get, how this will come across? Do you realize that you know, do you fully realize what you just said and how it could possibly be taken? So yes, I will do that. Now, what if what if you ask that question and there's a, a, a newspaper reporter standing there? Do you still ask that? And you know, if you don't use it, somebody else will. Um, I mean, it depends on what the what the person says. If they're like, oh yeah, that's definitely not what I meant. 
Right. I mean, you know, then I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going there. But my, you know, my role, my role is so unique. It's, it's not. I'm not trying to break stories, right? Like I'm not. I, I mean, I'm not going to. If someone has a, you know, a torn hand ligament in their hand, and everyone else knows is going to find out about it, that, that's fine. I'll, you know, I can report that too. But I'm also not trying to break stories. My job with the Rangers organization is to give our fans a glimpse as to what these guys are like when they're not playing baseball and what goes into um, the way that they play baseball, you know, all those kind of things. That's, that's what, that's what I, my goal is to provide a window into our players that they might not get otherwise. And and you, so but it's not quite the same as what, you know, Evan's job is or, you know, anybody else that covers the team on a daily basis. And I just want to add one thing here before I know you've got a question, Kevin. I just want to add one thing here. I think it's always important as a reporter, if you've got the ability, whether you're in Emily's role or in my role, if a player says something that you're not sure exactly what he meant by it, I think it's always incumbent upon you to go and get the full context. And I'll do that. I don't just look for a trap you kind of quote. If a guy says sure. something that, that may come across as like people could inter- misinterpret this, I will go back and I'll say, well, what exactly did you mean by this? And and I think Emily does that. I think I do it. I think most, I th- I, I think most reputable reporters in working a clubhouse want to know what's accurate not what is most provocative well that's because you and that's not necessarily why you do it you have to be back there the next day and day and you have to have a relationship with with people it's my my job to be accurate right yeah now emily do you feel like it was is would be possible in any other sport to have the kind of rapport with the players that you have now no maybe hockey and i i never i mean i never covered hockey significantly um but i've always heard that you know and they were great to me when the stars were great to me when i the limited time i was out there um but i think maybe you could get it there just because you know uh, over the long course of the season but also too in in the in the nba i don't think it's possible because like when i cover the mavericks there's no one in their pregame there's no hanging out there's no i mean you're in there i mean i had to beg you know jason terry to do interviews like every other day because um, he was the only one that would show up in there before the game. Maybe sometimes on there, and I mean, you know what I mean. They're just not in there before. And then post game, you're trying to get in and get out to where you're not spending a significant amount of time with those guys. Um, and so I think it would be more difficult. I mean, just the, the sheer numbers involved in baseball, and the fact that there's 162 games and 66 meetings. Uh, you know, you have that ability to do that. Um, you know, if if you if you take the time to cultivate those relationships, you you can stand in there, uh, you know, and just look at everybody and never cultivate those relationships. And, you know, to me, that's, that's my job. And so you have the opportunity to do it in baseball, whereas, yes, I, or whereas no, I don't feel like you can have that in any other sport. Um, I, I want to get to two very quick things. Um, before we get off of this, this topic, the, the other aspect of this is, is social media, and this is not so much dealing with the players, but... I think that, again, I think one thing that, that I've seen my, my colleagues who are, are female reporters deal with is far more um, hateful, uh, mean-spirited, uh, objectifying type comments from, from, from readers, whether it's Facebook or Twitter. You know, I, I think two weeks ago, uh, as she always does, our, our, our friend Leslie McCaslin, when she does a college football game, she posts a selfie with the crew, and she was, I think, at AT&T Stadium, 
post a selfie with the crew. She was wearing some some black uh, boots and, and a, a, a skirt. And somebody tweeted, uh, I hope that women don't have to dress like this uh, to work uh, college football games any longer. You've had comments like that. How do you deal with oh, them, sure. and what advice do you give I bet, I, others? I, I bet that's a benign comment, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, yeah. I mean, it, first of all, I mean, Leslie looks fantastic. She always does. I mean, but she's the fashion queen um, in terms, you know, of what she wears. She's always very fashion forward, and she looks darling, and, um, and it's always very tasteful. So that was completely out of line. Um, but unfortunately, that's just what happens to us as women. Um, and, and you know what's sad is most of the time it comes from other women. It doesn't come from men. And so it's, it's you know, it's just an unfortunate part. I mean, it's like I have terrible hair and people tell me about it all the time. And it's like, okay, I get it. You know, bite my hair. And I, I realize, I, I own it. Like, I don't. My Evan and I have terrible hair, too. Far worse. Exactly. I mean, I don't, I mean, now at this point, I, I've just become so hardened to that stuff that it just really, it takes a lot to bother me. Uh, um, I have a really hilarious that I'll tell you guys sometime. It's not appropriate for a podcast. <laughs> um, that's how bad it is. Um, but yeah, it's it's just it's happened to me, you know, all my all my life. And I think it's not all my life, but well, all my life probably. But I mean, it's when you're in when you put yourself in a in a public persona for, position, you just open yourself up to that. And when you're a woman in sports, it's magnified times ten. Um, because people are passionate. It's like I tell my good friend Meredith Lant, who's the main anchor for Channel 5. And so I told her about, you know, when you cover a sports team, you have invested. And so they take you on as part of that when you're an extension of the team. I was like, people aren't passionate about the news. And so you're not going to get, you know, the love or the hate one way or the other. It's going to you know, it's going to be pretty down the middle. You're, you know, you're probably not going to be as subject to those, like, passionate, impassioned responses and comments from people because they just, they, that's what just comes along with, with covering a, a sports team. And I feel like when you cover one team, it probably happens even more because, because those fans are emotionally invested in that organization, if that, if that makes sense. And they, ha- they feel like they've got a level of familiarity with you in which they can... For sure. They can make comments. I will say yes, and but I will say like I I I feel like I get ten compliments for every negative thing that someone says, but I'm not going to point out on Twitter like, oh hey, look at this guy, he thinks I'm awesome. Look at me, quote tweet. I mean that that's me is ridiculous, but I will, and it's probably mean. um, But I feel like if they're going to call, if they want to come after me. Then I'll kind of I'll quote tweet it and then call it out like, hey, look at this negative thing someone said about me. And I'm really kind of doing it to be self-deprecating, on, you know, on one hand, and then too on the other hand, I'm like, and then I'll let you look like a jackass, um, and you know, in front of my followers or whatever. And it kind of makes me feel good for a minute, and then they, everybody starts being mean to them, and then I start feeling bad, and then it's all a big vicious cycle. <laughs> Emily, but, Emily, if I want to get under your skin the next time I see you. What is oh, the one? Uh, what is the one thing I could say that would really get under your skin? Um, that I don't work hard. Yeah, that I'm lazy. That's like the worst thing you could say to me is that I'm lazy. She, she works hard. That I'm lazy. She works hard. I thought we were going to say that because you gave up on Sports Day on Air that now we no longer have Sports Day on Air. <laughs> what? 
Yeah. The, the, my, that, the, my leaving was a demise. Yes. <laughs> two years, he got three, four years to die, though. I, oh, well, <laughs> it, was, it was a slow, miserable death. It was a slow and well, painful and death. It was a painful death. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah it was. All right, bef- before yeah, we let you... Lazy is the worst thing that you could probably say. Lazy. Or say something bad. Don't say anything bad about my kids. Yeah. That'll get well, out nobody kids. does that. Nobody uh, or, you could, or you could question my parenting. That's... Definitely works. The, the, the effect, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll remember that. No, that definitely it. sets her off. That definitely uh, sets her off. Um, yeah. But you can call her kids Hot Miss Henry or Hot Miss Hattie and Warm Miss yeah. Henry because she does, yeah. and she's wrong because they're both adorable children. Emily, before yeah. I let you go, um, just one quick thing: since it is Christmas season, holiday season, season for giving, um, you more than anybody. Uh, really were the driving force behind Do It For Durrett, which honors our former colleague Richard Durrett um, and, and, and helps families uh, that go through sudden loss. Uh, what are you guys working on right now, and is, is there a way for people to contribute to the charity uh, during the holiday season? Well, you're sweet to mention it, Evan. And, of course, sir, you can always go to doitfordurrett.com and contribute financially with a donation of any kind. We welcome any and all regardless of, of the amount. And also, too, one thing we're doing that ends this week is we're accepting not even applications, but stories. Like if there's someone this holiday season that needs some help, that needs some help, you know, uh, with gifts and uh, Christmas, food, all that kind of stuff, we want to help. But we're looking for five families to help this holiday season uh, make their make their holiday a little bit brighter. And so we're uh, taking emails right now through Friday at doitfordurrett at sbcglobal.net. If you or anyone you know needs some assistance this holiday season, we definitely want to help. So we're going to help five families, um, and we're taking those, um, I guess, email applications uh, until Friday. So please do that if, uh, if you are so inclined. Em, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. Uh, of course. Happy to do it. Um, I'm off. I'm headed to have a little baseball lunch with Miss Alana Rizzo of the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. Wow. She is in town, so we're going for lunch. Yeah. All right. See, well, the ba- you know what's great is the, the chicks in baseball. We stick together pretty good. Are you taking her to Heim for barbecue? I'm not. Well, she's at the Four Seasons, so we're going to go. Oh. Oh. oh, yeah. Yeah, they, 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 they put their girls up nice with the Dodgers. Yeah, they take care of them. Wow. All right. Well, yeah. uh, I'll off to the ballpark to be with everyone's favorite grumpy old man, John Blake. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck with that. The, le- the grumpy is right. I don't know about the favorite part. No, he was, he's grumpy. <laughs> although I will, I will leave you with this. You know, John Blake had uh, he had spinal surgery this winter, uh, this this fall. He had a de- he had one a, inserted a fusion. Oh, just, um, what did what'd you say? <laughs> did he have one inserted? I don't, I'll like or I did they put a personality <laughs> in there with it with the spine? Wow. Just hey. kidding. Come and on. He, he started the thing with questions for the surgeon. Questions. <laughs> He got out of the surgery. He's in the neck brace. He's the next week or two, and he's decided he's going to be a kinder, gentler John. So oh. that's not that. That won't be very hard. But my question is, how did John Blake marry Harriet Blake? Well, that is my question. That's the that's the million dollar question. Right Actually, there. I think we need to have a podcast on that. With that's Harriet how God balances John. things out in life. Um, all right, yeah. we will let you run. Take care, and I will. Uh, I'll owe you lunch my, on myself for this one. So thank you. Thanks, okay, Emily. All right. Bye. Bye. There goes that, Emily. You know what? You know, Evan, that was a great choice for, for a podcast. Because he was poo-pooing that.
earlier. Who was? Very well. I, that's a lie. Uh, I that's just a bullshit. I just can't. You know, I I think that people. I tell you, I. I this is not like work. I, I sold shoes once, so I know what real work is. But it is not fun going into a clubhouse no. and talking to athletes if you don't know them. And and I tell you what, I can't imagine what it's like for a woman to do that because I know how these guys are. A, a lot of them. And I mean, we're not. And again, that's we're, difficult. We're not I mean, talking that's about. Really tough. We're not talking about a quote unquote mistake by by a politician in his fifties or even in his forties. We're talking about 25 and 26 year old guys who don't have a whole lot of experience and they will, you know, they will say things to people that can make them feel really uncomfortable or they will do things in that kind of. Or they do it on purpose. Just like Emily said, the whole thing about dropping a towel. I don't doubt that at all. Or or my favorite or my least favorite person I ever had to deal with was a ranger manager, Doug Rader, who I could see him doing all all those negative things. Oh, sure. Um, but listen, Emily's got the, the clubhouse as wired as anybody. She works it exceptionally hard. She's great at getting guys to I, – I think one of the things that she does basically for the Rangers website uh, called Rangers Most Likely is a really fun video clip in which she gets players to really have fun and let their guard down. And that's the kind of thing that, that takes place when you earn a certain amount of – of trust with those guys that, that they will just look at you as, as a friend and, and, and talk with you, whether you're a friend or not, you're still a professional, but they will talk with you and they will, they will say silly things. And, uh, she makes it work really, really well. Are we going to say goodbye now? No, I think that, I think that was, that was good. And I've always, I always enjoy being around Emily and, uh, I think she left you Darvish off off the list of, of her favorites. I th- I know she was a very big uh, she close to him. She is, and she you know here's here's the thing that the first the first year that Darvish was here, she learned enough Japanese to conduct a quick interview with him in Japanese, um, and really was the first the first person to talk to him one on one, and she built a relationship from there. So, um, all right, that does it for today. We had. Brad Sham talking about the Cowboys' cornucopia of misery. Cornucopia of misery. The Cowboys' pit of misery. Yeah. Dilly dilly. Yeah. Well, well, maybe uh, the highlight film of the of this year, you know, 2017, will be titled Misery. I talked to the I talked to the gentleman who coined America's team yesterday. I, I sh- I'm going to call him back today and say, "What would he you have?" Kathy Bates on that, <laughs> yeah, misery. I, with a misery, hammer. Misery would be it. Yeah, that'd be good. Uh, we also um, uh, we also spoke with uh, Tim Brando, uh, the very uh, soft spoken Tim, Tim Brando, about uh, the college football playoff, Texas A and M, Tennessee, Tennessee. Well, and just in general, fans taking over a program and how bad that can be. Uh, and then if, if you've listened all the way through this, I hope you got a really good uh, Rangers podcast with lots of stuff about the, the offseason, the signing of Doug Fister, the pursuit of Shohei Otani, and uh, I think great insight into what it's like working the clubhouse and, 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 and being a woman in, in, uh, in professional sports. So we uh, are now going to head off for lunch. Where are we going, Gavin, today? Uh, I don't know, but we will decide that after the uh, off the air. Um, Barry, do you have any other? Further we can't make a plug on the air. Maybe, maybe we'll get some advertisers. Get some the idea would be like if we're going to plug them, we need to get money. For well, them. let's plug them first. first. 
No, that's not how it works. It doesn't work that way? Because once the plug is out there, they don't need to give you money. Well, are we going, to, are we going to Peppy's today? I don't think so. I think Barry owes the Peppy's people money. He does. I, I they, they did an <laughs> unbelievable job catering, Here my, we go. catering my son's uh, Wait, already dinner, plugged the musers. pre-wedding dinner. You already, you already plugged the musers. Now they don't need. They don't need our plug. No, but yeah, I didn't bring Peppies up. You brought Peppies up. No, no. I, I and I'd like to. You also, told me to do that. I'd also. I'd also like to say that the folks at Blue Haven Pools <laughs> have been doing a fine job on my pool. Yeah, uh, Barry. Uh, do you have anything else that you want to interject before I we actually I just want to say, say how goodbye? much I love doing this podcast with you guys, and I, and we're moving. And people out there should know we're moving to new digs next week. And uh, we're Brian has promised us a, a, a fabulous retreat. Is it true that we're going to be podcasting from a hot tub? No, Brian, you can speak. Brian, no, go ahead. And speak. They, they, he doesn't have a microphone anymore. Yeah, no microphone. Oh, they took He's it away. Uh, my suggestion, I might add. You know, it would be hard to duplicate the splendor of this place that we're leaving. Let me tell you that when I come in here, I'm just in awe. Of, of what they have given us. The show, Did their you, respect for us. You decorated your bedroom at home with this uh, I decorated motif, my right? toilet me, at home Let me just say this. Than this. That I, I will give folks this. You know, this is a soundproof radio booth. Somewhat soundproof. Um, I can still hear you. And the ingenuity of people to take what amounts to foam that comes in boxes when you order something yeah. from Amazon and use it for soundproof material is amazing. Well, we need to work a little bit on the adhesive part of that. Yeah, because I'm taking. Uh, let's post. I'm going to post a picture with oh, this. Oh, that'll be great. We're right? missing a few of the uh, a few of the of the uh, foam tiles. Yes, we're missing a few a few a few of the foam tiles. But I think it was that happened is that people came in because this is the last days and they've and they've taken them as souvenirs. This is like Saigon. It, yeah, 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 Final days in Saigon. Hey, what can we take home? People with are them? taking yeah. everything. It, uh, let me just. It's not like Saigon. Um, no, 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 it's a lot like Saigon, actually. Brian, next week we'll be in the new digs, right? You'll have catering for us. In the middle of the newsroom, I believe. We'll have have to dress up. That'll be great. All right, everybody, we'll see you all next week from the new digs. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya. 